0: We are somehow more than two weeks away from the NFL draft, 16 more excruciating days where I have to endure nonstop criticism of my criticisms of NFL draft prospects. I have Zay Jones fans, in quotes, asking me to explain myself, even though I've spent 20 minutes of airtime discussing Zay Jones across multiple podcasts in the last month. Yet you want me to continue to explain my take. It's like, if I like a player, you're happy to hear me talk about him for 60 seconds, cheerlead, wave the pom-poms, wave the flag. We can move on to the next player. But if I don't like a player... The standard's so much higher. I need to explain myself over and over and over and over and over again. And those that are predisposed to like that player, it's never good enough. You're never going to hear the reason that changes your mind because you're entrenched. If you're a fan of a player, no one's going to change your mind on that player. That's how confirmation bias works. You're going to go out there searching for the information that confirms your bias, that you like that player, that he's good. And you're going to dismiss the information that conflicts with your assumptions about that player. And if by happenstance you happen to hear a criticism of that player that resonates with you, instead of internalizing it, the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, lash back out at the analyst. Tell that analyst that he doesn't know what he's doing or ask him for more information. I'm just confused. I don't understand how you don't like this player. Yes, you laid out your reasoning for valuing this player lower than consensus, illustrating point after point after point in excruciating detail. But that's not enough because I only really want to hear information touting that player. I don't actually want to hear the information criticizing that player because I made up my mind months ago that I'm a Zay Jones fan. Fan, which is short for fanatic. Fanatic by definition, is not a rational actor because if you were rational, our disposition reviewing draft prospects, the prism through which we analyze the information on these prospects would be flipped because most prospects fail. There should be a low bar for calling a player overvalued because most players are overvalued. And there should be a very high bar for calling a player undervalued because very few players are actually undervalued by the NFL draft analysis community. Across the NFL draft media landscape, most analysts like most players, even though most players don't end up becoming meaningful NFL contributors, fantasy relevant assets. So the world of NFL draft analysis is very much opposite world. It's like trying to understand how a car engine works by crawling through the tailpipe as opposed to just lifting the hood on the car. You lift the hood on the front of the car, there's the engine laid out for you. It becomes a lot easier to understand how the mechanisms work. But so many back into their NFL draft analysis by liking the player first and then using confirmation bias to go out and hunt for the information that confirms their assumptions. That's why everybody loves everybody. And if you want to be a well-regarded NFL draft analyst, the first lesson is you don't criticize players. If you want to be liked, tout every prospect. If you want to be right, fade every prospect because odds are most prospects will fail. Maybe once a year, you pick out one player to tout and then dismiss the rest. That's the best way to be right. You want to have the highest hit percentage as an NFL draft analyst? That's the right approach. Tout Amari Cooper, dismiss the rest. Buy Ezekiel Elliott, sell the rest. That's if you want to be right. But you will also be despised in the football analysis community. No one wants to hear the improbability of Zay Jones becoming an annual fantasy viable wide receiver. No one wants to hear about Cooper Cup's long odds at becoming an every-week NFL contributor. Most people do not want to hear that. They want the positive spin on literally every player. I mean, that's what I'm getting from you. Did you realize that I like most players? I'm perceived as the guy... Who is largely dismissive of most NFL draft prospects, and it frustrates so many of you who love Zay Jones, or love Cooper Cup, or love Dante Foreman, love Alvin Kamara. Who am I allowed to criticize, then, if you even love the players that either didn't produce at all in college, like Alvin Kamara, or only produced in a partial season 11 games, like Dante Foreman? If I'm not allowed to diminish those draft prospects' potential at the next level, then who am I allowed to be bearish on? Who? Who? Because I'm looking at my rankings, playerprofiler.com forward slash player dash rankings. I like most of these players. I have Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette in my top five running backs. Of course, you know, I like McNichols. I like Marlon Mack. I like Kareem Hunt. I like Samaje Pirine. I like Aaron Jones. All these running backs are in my top ten. You know, I like James Conner. You know, I like D'Angelo Henderson. I like Brian Hill from Wyoming as the latest of the small school late round running back sleepers. There's a handful of running backs that I am bearish on compared to consensus. Jamal Williams, Alvin Kamara, Dante Foreman. That's about it. Yet the perception is that I hate everybody and you need an explanation from me and my lack of appreciation for Dante Foreman exposes the flaws in my prospect evaluation methodology yes yes if you don't like Dante Foreman then you're not looking at the right pieces of information Matt Kelly but I'll admit my prospect methodology is flawed because I think way too many rookie players will exceed expectations in the NFL I like too many players and what kills me is I actually like Dante Foreman I have him as my number seven running back I just don't have Dante Foreman in my top five. I don't have Dante Foreman ahead of Jeremy McNichols. That doesn't mean I hate Dante Foreman. I don't hate any of these players. I like all these players generally. But when we're having a value conversation and we're talking to analysts who believe that 15 players deserve to be in the top five and five running backs deserve to be drafted in the first round, that's when I raise my hand with an objection, But it's just unbelievable that I don't love this player as much as many of you may love a player. Why must I like everyone? Because so many of you have been brainwashed by NFL draft media and you like everyone. You think all the players in this draft are going to be NFL stars, when in reality, very few of them are going to be NFL stars. But Mel Kuyper likes all the players, so then you like all the players. And then what happens? Well, you're so infused with irrational exuberance about these players that you end up trading proven veterans, true NFL producers, for picks in Dynasty. That's the consequence of your irrational exuberance. And here I am offering my picks for your players. And here I am winning Dynasty Leagues while you finish last. Last. Because you chased a bunch of rookies, again, and those rookies didn't produce, again. But I'm the misguided one. Because I just don't appreciate Cooper Cup's production at Eastern Washington. I just inexplicably don't understand Zay Jones' talent profile. Yeah, I just don't understand it. I just don't get it. It's a blind spot in my evaluation. I need to rethink my whole approach. I should just raise the bar on all these players. So that I am more bullish on every single player in this draft. You like Jeremy McNichols? Well, I like Jeremy McNichols more. You like Chris Godwin? No! I like Chris Godwin even more than you like Chris Godwin. Oh, you you like Alvin Kamara? Yeah? Well, I like Alvin Kamara even more than you do. Even though Alvin Kamara projects to be an NFL punt returner. And while I'm loving every NFL draft prospect, I should also be speculating where these NFL draft prospects will be going because Joe Mixon and Dalvin Cook visited the Browns. (gasps) Wow, that's exciting, right? The Browns are finally going to have a bell cow back in their backfield. Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook. What? Joe Mixon and Dalvin Cook are not going to the Browns. Child, please. The Cleveland Browns know that they have one of the better running games in the league. The Cleveland Browns had the most underrated running game in the National Football League last year. The Cleveland Browns have been making terrific player personnel decisions in the last two years. So I can only assume the Cleveland Browns have self-scouted their running game and they know, oh yeah, so we have one of the league's best interior runners in Isaiah Crowell and we have one of the league's best satellite backs in Duke Johnson and because we've deployed them as specialists, neither of them have missed a game in two seasons. So we're doing something right with our running game. We don't need to burn a draft pick on a Dalvin Cook or a Joe Mixon. Makes no sense. Look what Duke Johnson did last year. 6.9 yards per touch from your satellite back. That was number three in the NFL. 53 receptions was number six among NFL running backs. And when he was given the ball in space, juked out defenders. 35.4 juke rate. That's evaded tackles per touch. That was number two in the league. And then he broke off long runs. 8.1% of his runs went for 15 yards or more. Duke Johnson is a phenomenal football player. He was a workhorse at Miami, the all-time rushing leader for the Miami Hurricanes. Now he's one of the best satellite backs in the NFL. Two-minute drill, put in Duke Johnson. Third down, put in Duke Johnson. Hurry up offense, put in Duke Johnson. And when Duke Johnson's not back there, it's Isaiah Crowell. Isaiah Crowell somehow, someway managed 4.8 yards per carry. 4.8 yards per carry for the Browns that do not have a quarterback. To keep the defense honest so linebackers were run blitzing the browns for four quarters why not robert griffin iii was not keeping linebackers honest brock osweiler and cody kessler are not going to keep linebackers honest in 2017 and apparently it doesn't matter because both isaiah crowell and duke johnson are well above average nfl backs two of the best backs in their respective roles You're not going to find many between-the-tackles grinders as good, as efficient, productive, prolific even, as Isaiah Crowell. Isaiah Crowell's 13 breakaway runs last year was number 7 in the NFL. 944 rushing yards was 15th in the NFL. While splitting touches with Duke Johnson facing negative game script almost every week. In an offensive system that could not keep linebackers honest, Isaiah Crowell still finished in the top 15 total rushing yards by NFL running backs last season. Such an impressive accomplishment. In the context of the Cleveland Browns offense, Duke Johnson and Isaiah Crowell were the most impressive running back tandem in the NFL, and you're telling me the Browns are going to go out and burn a second-round pick on Dalvin Cook? Dalvin Cook visited though he visited and the Browns don't have a superstar running back so just that's a that's a fit makes sense no it doesn't make any sense that would be like Washington drafting Corey Davis at pick 17 I see mocks where Washington drafts either Corey Davis or Mike Williams or John Ross get the hell out out of here. Washington's passing game for 2017 is all set to run on all cylinders. Kirk Cousins was number six in pass attempts last season, was number seven in completion percentage, 67% completion percentage last season for Kirk Cousins after leading the league in completion percentage the previous year. So Kirk Cousins is one of the most accurate passers in the NFL. Also one of the best deep ball passers, 47% deep ball completion percentage last season. That was number five in the NFL. So he's accurate all over the field. That's why he led the league in air yards last season. 3,100 air yards for Kirk Cousins was number one in the NFL, but only 25 touchdowns. So I think we're going to see some positive regression in the touchdown category for Kirk Cousins in 2017. So positive touchdown regression, and he will continue to be one of the NFL leaders in pass attempts because Washington does not have a running game. If there was a team in the NFL that you had to identify as the team that doesn't have a running game, Washington should be your vote leader. And it's strange that Kirk Cousins is not viewed as one of the league's elite quarterbacks. When you look at his efficiency, top five total QBR, top five yards per attempt, top 10 air yards per attempt, top 10 fantasy points per drop back, as well as all those completion percentage top 10s that I listed earlier. Kirk Cousins is that uncommon combination of efficiency in the face of huge volume. Very rarely are the prolific quarterbacks as efficient as Kirk Cousins. And for that reason, you have to buy all the members of this Washington passing game with the exception of Jordan Reed. I'm not buying Jordan Reed in any league. He's the only player that I believe is truly injury-prone in the NFL. I think some players might be injury-prone, but I can't say for certain. I know for certain one player is injury-prone in the NFL, and that's Jordan Reed. Just one collision in training camp could end Jordan Reed's career because he sustained so many concussions. Cautionary tale, looking at Miami, Jordan Cameron, another Jordan with a long concussion history, just retired from the NFL, just a couple years older than Jordan Reed. I think Jordan Reed's chances of playing 16 games are slim. But his chances of retiring during the season at some point are high. It's sad, but it's true. And looking at it clinically in that context, who do we like? Well, we like Jamison Crowder because Jamison Crowder would benefit the most from Jordan Reed's absence specializing in those short and intermediate routes. Jamison Crowder, 12 fantasy points last year, was top 40 in the NFL. He's the only wide receiver that was a contributor in 2016 that's returning for 2017 because Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Thomas and Pierre Garçon will be playing elsewhere. Hundreds of vacated targets are now up for grabs in Washington. That's why you should be buying Jamison Crowder, who is only just now arriving in his prime he's going to be 24 years old when the season starts this is the age in which nfl wide receivers are at their best and jameson crowder's yards after the catch in consecutive seasons has been in the top 20 nfl wide receivers think about it as a rookie in 2015 and as a sophomore in 2016 top 20 in the league both seasons in yards after the catch yards after the catch Is typically hard to predict, but there are a handful of wide receivers with more predictable yards after the catch at the highest end. Jarvis Landry, Golden Tate, the high-end yak monsters are the ones that give you predictable yards after the catch. And I think Jamison Crowder is entering that yak monster echelon. And in this high-volume, high-efficiency system that Jay Gruden and Kirk Cousins have devised in Washington... I am targeting Jamison Crowder in every format. I don't want to leave a draft without Jamison Crowder. Terrell Pryor is also likely to exceed expectations. I think Jamison Crowder, Terrell Pryor, Josh Doxson, they could all exceed expectations because expectations are relatively low for all of these players. Even though Terrell Pryor had a thousand yard season last year on the Browns. We're impressed with what Isaiah Crowell did on the Browns last year. We should also be impressed with what Terrell Pryor did on the Browns 77 receptions for a thousand yards, receiving passes from Cody Kessler, Josh McCown, and Robert Griffin III. Terrell Pryor has a 128.3, 99th percentile height adjusted speed score. Who would be surprised if Terrell Pryor equaled Demarius Thomas's fantasy output this year? I wouldn't. He is a prototypical X receiver, there are very few of those size, speed, specimen, split end wide receivers in the National Football League. And if there's a quarterback who's going to be able to leverage that and get the most out of a talent like Terrell Pryor, it's Kirk Cousins. And if something happens to Terrell Pryor, well, Josh Doxson, also a size speed specimen, 135.2, 97th percentile burst score, gives him a 1036, 96th percentile catch radius. At 6'2", 202, Josh Doxson is that perfect flanker. I love the talent configuration of this Washington passing game where you have Terrell Pryor out at the X receiver position on an island. You have Doxson and Crowder on the right side playing slot and flanker, playing off each other, rub routes, crossing routes. Crowder leveraging his lateral quickness. Doxon leveraging his catch radius. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant talent configuration in that Washington passing game. And if anything happens to Terrell Pryor or Josh Doxson or both – Brian Quick will become relevant. I don't think Washington needs to draft any wide receivers in this draft class. Very few of them are ready to contribute at the NFL level. And even if Washington does get their hands on one of those, a Chris Godwin, for example, I don't think Chris Godwin would play in 2017 because he would be behind Brian Quick on the depth chart because Brian Quick, when healthy for a half season in 2014, was a top 20 fantasy wide receiver. And Brian Quick has been relegated to backup duties on the Rams the last two seasons. He came back from a gruesome shoulder injury, only to find himself marginalized within the Rams offense. Congratulations, Brian Quick. You're backing up Kenny Britt. Oof. It's bad enough that I'm on the Rams, but now I'm not even getting a full snap share on the Rams. Now I'm the number three wide receiver. Now I'm only on the field in certain packages. The Rams are running with Jared Goff at quarterback, that's wide receiver hell. So Brian Quick has come back from wide receiver hell. Serious injury in a seriously bad offensive system. A system that was offensive to everyone that watched it, the Los Angeles Rams. Now he goes across the country to Washington, and it's the opposite. You have Jared Goff, who's neither prolific nor efficient, and now he's paired with Kirk Cousins, who's both prolific and efficient. And like Terrell Pryor, also a size-speed specimen at 6'3", 220, Brian Quick's height-adjusted speed score, 105.5, 84th percentile. So Washington actually has two prototypical split ends. There are not even 32 prototypical split ends in the National Football League total. Across the whole league, there are lots of teams that don't have a prototypical X receiver. Washington just happens to have two. It's good for Washington. Hard to find a better number four wide receiver across the NFL than Brian Quick. And if something does happen to Jordan Reed, I don't want it to happen, but if it does happen, I love Niles Paul. I have Niles Paul ranked ahead of Vernon Davis on our dynasty rankings. Again, go to playerprofile.com forward slash player dash rankings. Check out our dynasty rankings. There you will see Niles Paul ranked ahead of consensus on our rankings. I like Niles Paul. Hey, don't I get credit for that? He was... Drafted at one point, take it in the fifth round out of Nebraska. Do I get retroactive credit for liking someone that was in a draft class five years ago? No? 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 No. Okay. So I have to like all the players before they get drafted. And then and then once they arrive in the NFL and do nothing, then with no conviction whatsoever, I have to dismiss all the players that I previously liked the year before. That's how it works, right? Right? Okay. 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 So as long as I'm clear, I've liked Niles Paul since his time at Nebraska, because four, five, one 40, 1104 agility score, both in the 90th percentile. And over the years, he's added weight and strength. Now he's over 240 pounds. When he came into the league, he was closer to 220. And with Vernon Davis and his incredibly large penis approaching his mid thirties, you have to believe that Niles Paul is the more explosive athlete of the two. So I have no problem drafting an entire offense. I'm doing the same thing in Tennessee. I like Mariota. I like Derrick Henry. I like Rashard Matthews. I like Tajay Sharp. I even like Delaney Walker. In Dynasty Leagues in particular, all those Tennessee players are considered values or sleepers. I believe I have an edge when it comes to Tennessee Titans players. The Dynasty Leagues I participate in do not appreciate that the Tennessee Titans are mid ascendants. They're on their way up. They're a playoff team. They're another prolific and efficient offense that no one seems to want to talk about. And if you find yourself in a dynasty league drafting an entire offensive unit, you're doing it right. You don't need to hedge by avoiding players on a team because you already have too many players from that team. No, identify the teams where you believe you have a competitive advantage. Most of the time it's because the fantasy community does not fully appreciate that team's quarterback. The fantasy football community does not appreciate how good Marcus Mariota is yet. The fantasy football community does not appreciate how good Kirk Cousins is yet. So exploit that inefficiency as a buying opportunity and soak up all the players on those teams. Why not?